0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go
1: now. John Schneider and Mike McDonald. It's still going to be weird to not say Pete Carroll automatically after saying John Schneider are going to have uh, a lot to do this offseason. And that starts with five big roster decisions. So, Bump and I have narrowed down the five biggest roster decisions facing these two, and we are going to get started. Of course, the most important position in football bump right at quarterback. So here's what you guys need to know about the Geno Smith situation. Regardless of whether or not you even want Geno here, there are some financial considerations. Uh, this from ESPN's Brady Henderson. It's about that $12 million in salary that becomes fully guaranteed here in just a couple weeks.
0: That first decision is going to be on Geno, just because the way his contract is structured his base salary for next season, $12.7 million, that's the base salary, which would become fully guaranteed If he's still on the roster on February 16th, that's, you know, five days after the Super Bowl. And that was a month from yesterday. And so those kind of trigger dates basically act as deadlines for teams to make a decision on a guy because they're not going to keep him on the roster past February 16th, have his $12.7 million base salary, which is about half of what he's scheduled to make next season. They're not going to have that become fully guaranteed and then move on from them.
1: In this moment, you are John Schneider, and you, Bump, need to decide whether or not you want to keep Gino as your starter. You have uh, a really solid 2022 season uh, with some struggles at the end, an up-and-down 2023 season with a Pro Bowl appearance in both seasons. You're heading into this one, paying him significantly more, $31 million against the cap, than his $10 million in 2022. Do you keep him?
0: I'm signing him. I'm keeping him. The most... Important position in football, and I think um whoever you bring in an offensive coordinator, you want to support him as much as you can. Because even though, say you're talking to John, you're talking to Jody, and they're saying, look, Mike, don't trip. You got like two three years to turn this thing around. You'll be fine. You still want to give the people something to believe in. And you want to support your offensive coordinator as much as you can. So I look at Gino and I go, that's a perfect way to do it. You're not starting with a rookie. You're not starting with a guy who's um, who's bouncing around from team to team. Now he's just joining your squad. I know Gino has done that, but he's been here for, what, four or five years now. Um, he understands what Seattle is. I think your job is to keep things rolling as smoothly as possible on offense, and it starts with Gino. Um, you still got your skill guys. You got your offensive linemen, of course, and everyone else involved. But if you have a quarterback who isn't competent, a, a guy who, uh, who isn't a leader, a guy who you're rolling the dice on and trying to figure out if he's going to be a guy of the future, I don't think that's the great, the, the best approach for a new era here in Seattle. So um, I'm signing Geno. I'm signing Gino, he's the guy, and I'm going to allow him to build off of what he's done the past two years.
1: The way I I agree, I think the way that I look at the Gino situation is kind of how I look uh, in my own life at my car. Uh, (laughs) I would love a brand spanking new Tesla. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not at the point in my life where uh, I can go get a brand spanking new Tesla, nor is that option just readily available to me.
0: You probably could. you has got to cut off a whole bunch of other stuff. You know
1: what I'm saying? Like rent. And so <laughs> uh, what I'm going to go with right now is my little Chevy Cruze. I'm yeah. just going to go with Lil Red. That's her name. And um, and uh, I think that that's kind of how I see the Gino situation. I would love Patrick Mahomes. Sign me up. You, if if you know that J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or or Drake May or or whoever uh, Drake May won't, but whoever might be available at 16 for Seattle is going to be Patrick Mahomes, a, no second thought in my mind. I would love that option over Geno. No offense to Geno, I would love a mm-hmm. top five, top three passer in the league. I would love the best quarterback in football. Is that option available to me right now? No. That's kind of how I look at it with the Seahawks. Like so, when I see people say, "Oh, Geno's not a top five passer." Is that option available to you right now, or are you gonna need to go with what helps you win the most this year and then kind of look toward finding that option next year, the year after, what have you?
0: And you don't need Gino to be a top five passer, I think, for this team to um have more success, the to 49ers, get into the playoffs, to win a game. You know? I don't think you need Gino to be a top five passer. I think he needs to have a better year than last year. What 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions isn't gonna get it done. Um, and the completion percentage needs to be up a bit, but he's shown that he can do that. So I think he's earned at least one more year, and if you do decide to bring a quarterback in, um, you're you're not forcing him to play right now. That's my main thing, man. You don't want to force anything. He wants to be smooth and natural. That's what Geno brings. Now, you can bring in a veteran or maybe bring in a rookie, and if Geno's not getting it done, then you have that option. But uh, that's, that's what I want this team to have, the option. And Geno gives you the best option right now. If you were to draft somebody or bring somebody in, there's another option. But it all starts with the quarterback. You got a rookie head coach. He's uh, going to have a whole bunch of new voices over here when it comes to the offense and defensive staff. Give them something to work with as soon as they step in the building. That's Gino.
1: Yeah. I Again, I would love that Tesla one day or that whatever <laughs> it is, fill in the blank, yellow Nissan Xterra, whatever it is. I just got the Chevy Cruze for this year. I'm going to stick with the Chevy Cruze for this year uh, because I'm not convinced. If you're convinced J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, maybe, or Michael Penix can be that, then those are the guys that are going to be available. But you're not going to get Caleb Williams. You're not going to get Drake
0: May. What do, all right, not, let me know. throw this out there. Yeah. What about uh, Kirk Cousins? Would you pay for Kirk Cousins? You're going to have to pay newer, for that.
1: He's a newer model Chevy Cruze.
0: You're going to have to pay for that new yeah, Chevy Cruze. No
1: thanks. Yeah. I mean, I love my Chevy, but again, like it's still a Chevy. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Great car. Great brand.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I just don't. I think that sometimes we do this thing of like looking at what everyone else has and saying this isn't as good as that. Of course it's not. But that's not available to you. So, I that's again, that's just how I see the Geno situation. I don't see Geno as being the biggest reason that the Seahawks didn't make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. I don't see Geno as being the biggest question mark on this roster, outside of whether or not you keep him, because quarterback by virtue of the position is yeah. the most important. Decision. You're
0: only as good as your options. Yeah. Geno, Kirk Cousins, or a rookie. Yes. You exactly. take your pick.
1: Um, the 206, Geno signed a prove-it deal last year, which is true. Uh, he proved he's not worth $12 million. Let him go and re-sign for less or move on.
0: Someone's going to snatch him up. Someone will snatch Geno up. One man's trash is another man's treasure. There are teams right now that will take Geno Smith.
1: Yeah. Both you and I would like to see a young quarterback brought in, maybe in the draft or in the future, but mm-hmm. going with Geno this year.
0: Yep.
1: Next big decision. This one's especially interesting. What do you do with Jamal Adams? Jamal Adams, not set to become a free agent. He is under contract for you. So you need to either trade or release him. Take a listen to what Field Yates had to say about this situation.
0: Jamal Adams, obviously, you know, things have not gone as planned in pretty much every way between the health, the performance, you know, some of the attitude stuff, some of the things that Pete had to, or if had to I should say, address with social media content, things of that nature. So I, I would think that, you know, Jamal is one that basically this comes down to, like, is it palatable to release him? All things, you know, in, in normal circumstances, no, but there are certain times where you just kind of bite the bullet.
1: Okay. What do you do about Jamal Adams?
0: This is on Mike McDonald. This is on how he imagines that Jamal fits into this defense. If you look at what he did with Baltimore, there were plenty of times we had three safeties out there. He used to walk Kyle Hamilton into the, into the box and he'll be that, that extra run guy. That's Jamal's game. But does Mike think that he has that left in the tank? Also, How's his recovery going? Mm-hmm. What's the communication like with Jamal and his team? And can you get eyes on him and watch him move and, and see what you want to do with him? Because I think that if used correctly and if he is healthy, he can help this football team. But it's all on how Mike and, and Leslie Frazier kind of view this guy and John Schneider as well. A good point there was made about the relationship as well. Is is this starting all over with Mike McDonald gonna bring Jamal back with a a new sense of himself and a new eagerness to get back on the field and 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 do what he does, which is be a run enforcer type of dude who can drop back. He's not the greatest in coverage, but to say that he can't go back there and, and cover space would be ridiculous. So I think this is on Mike, and I think this is there's so many contingencies on this. Is he healthy? What's the relationship like? Can Mike see him in this defense? On paper and looking at film, Jamal will fit into what mm-hmm. Mike wants to do. I think it's it's more on health and relationship.
1: That's what's so tough about it is like we had a similar conversation on like, um you know, just it was just about Jamal Adams and both you and I are like, yeah, we think we're ready to move on from Jamal. He's going to be a huge cap hit. He can't stay healthy. Uh, this relationship, it seems like, is really struggling. Since hiring Mike McDonald, I found myself a little more tempted to hang on. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if it's a bad decision. Like, am I hanging on to hope? Am I hanging on to just the slim possibility that a Mike McDonald defense with a Swiss Army knife-type option, with a rare option, at one of his defensive positions can be really special? You know what I mean? It's like Mike McDonald did a lot of great things without, um, you know, first-team all-pro superstars in his uh, front seven. He still had really good players. But, yeah. like, Jamal has the potential to be that.
0: Yeah. And that's that's what's tough. It's uh – the potential, right? At this stage of one's career, you would think that you know exactly what they bring to the table. Um, But again, because of his health history, that's where you're banking on potential. You're banking on so many things going right and for him to understand what's going on mentally and physically with his body and to want to be here. A player's got to want to be here, too, especially a player as passionate as Jamal. If you don't want to be here, then you can see it in his body language. So um, if it all lines up, man, if Jamal's excited about Mike McDonald and Leslie Frazier and and the relationship is good and he's healthy, I don't mind keeping him here and seeing what Mike McDonald can do with him.
1: Next up, Leonard Williams, the big decision you have to make here. Well, you gave up a second rounder in a mid-season trade. Are you going to sign him? He is about to become an unrestricted free agent. track has his calculated market value at $16.7 million per year. Keep in mind that he and his agent will be looking at what you're paying, Trey Jones.
0: Yeah, off top. And this is a guy that I want here for sure. Um When... Um, this defense was at its best late in the season. It was because, or partly because, Leonard Williams was getting in that backfield and causing um, just chaos back there. And that's what you want. And again, this is the thing the the X factor in this whole thing is: how do these defensive players view Mike McDonald? do they look at what the Baltimore Ravens did to the Seahawks offense and go, man, I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I love the way he lines six guys on the line of scrimmage and the stunts that they play. They overload one side, get the protection to slide that way, send it back from depth from the other side. Are they looking at this defense the same way I look at it and say, the possibilities are great. You're going to be aggressive. You're going to give that perception of constant pressure, but also you're going to get, man, you're going to drop in the zone. Just the the dynamics of this defense would excite me if Mm -hmm. I were On that side of the football, does it do the same for these guys? And with Leonard Williams and with Jamal Adams, I think um, it's vital that you kind of gauge what their vibes are with Mike and the possibilities of them playing in his defense.
1: Would GM Michael Bumpus like to keep Leonard Williams?
0: Oh, for sure. We're keeping him. Easy decision.
1: Uh, All right. Next up here, we've got uh, some back to back defensive options as well. Number one, about to become an unrestricted free agent, your former first round draft pick, Jordan Brooks.
0: No-brainer. Sign him up right now. W- waste no time. Patrick Queen, Rokon Smith. Look at those guys and look at Jordan Brooks when he is healthy and what he can do. Um, last year, end of the season, ankles bothering him. Not, not a huge injury, but he made it through this season without any issues with his knee. Every time my man went down a little bit, I'm watching him, seeing if he gets up, how, how's the knee holding up, and he was fine. Did not play with a brace, did not practice with a brace during training camp. And to me, that's one of the more important things is that – He's not thinking about his knee. If he was thinking about his knee, he'd play with a brace, a sleeve on. He'd be hesitant. But I did not see any of that with Jordan Brooks, man. He is reaching the prime of his career. He has settled into a leadership position in his own way. Not a real vocal guy. You see him talking on the sideline from time to time to his dudes. But, I again, I just look at what the purple and black do or did last year, mm-hmm. and I put Jordan Brooks in that defense, and I'm saying – He can team up with any one of those linebackers over there. That's why you keep him here.
1: Now, if you decide to keep Jordan Brooks, it makes our fifth and final roster decision that much more interesting because there's another inside linebacker. Keep in mind, Seattle has no inside linebackers uh, or off-ball linebackers rostered right now. So you need to sign someone in free agency, draft someone, bring someone back. Like No matter what, you need to make a decision here. Bobby Wagner.
0: If you don't go linebacker in that first round, you got to keep Bobby Wagner. You got no picks in the second round. If you don't... Flip something on the back end of this draft and get into the second round. You got to keep Bobby Wagner Um, 32 years old. I believe 32, 33 years old still made what all pro and pro bowl. He's respected by his peers. I know people are looking at film from 10 years ago and say, we want that Bobby impossible. Not going to happen. My man is older, but What you can say about it about Bobby is that he's a professional in this league. He has helped Jordan Brooks in his development, and he still made some plays. If you're not going to go get a linebacker early in this draft or sneak into the second round and get a backer, I think you have to keep Bobby.
1: So uh, we're uh, keeping uh, Leonard, Bobby, assuming we don't draft a linebacker, only if we don't draft a linebacker, um, and Jordan uh, maybe moving on from Jamal, kind Mm -hmm. of taking some time to consider that, keeping Geno. Again, those are the big five names that you guys are keeping an eye on here that are either set to become free agents, uh, set to have some kind of uh, contract deadline. In the case of Gino, he's under contract, but that February 16th deadline uh, ensures part of his salary. Uh, and then obviously with Jamal, he's under contract. You're set. You're locked in. But for the first time in his contract, you can save money by moving on. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. You're still going to have dead cap for two more seasons. But the you can have cap savings versus total losses for the first time.
0: Real quick, I'm going to throw two more names Mm -hmm. in there. All right. One, uh, Damian Lewis. What are you going to do with him? He's a free agent this year. Are you going to keep him? I think it's important to have some type of familiarity and leadership on that defense. Assuming offensive line, he was that guy. And one guy that I've heard being tossed out there, I completely disagree with this. Before I put it out there, completely disagree. But I've heard people talking about trade Tyler Lockett. You don't trade Tyler Lockett. You no. keep your 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 fantastic three receivers uh, together and let them roll. Again, do not trade Tyler Lockett.
1: Yeah, don't trade a thing that you do well. Right. I understand he's got a high cap hit, but uh, yeah, I get it. But so does not, Will Disley. Yeah. So does well not not compare. But, like, so does Dre Jones. So does, like, if the cap hits working, hang on to it. Right. <laughs> if it's not, then we'll then we'll Stop talk.
0: that trade. Tyler Lockett noise, please.
1: The 89th Sports Star of the Year awards are coming up February 15th. K.J. Wright is this year's host, and Seattle sports will be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and stars of 2023. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's get to headline rewrites. <laughs>
0: Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and (laughs) Stacy. Headline number one in his invite-only press conference, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell says the level of scrutiny towards officials has never been higher than what it is right now. What's the real headline? Goodell
1: added, and that's why I'll never answer a single question about it. Very interesting to have a invitation-only presser on a Monday before a Super Bowl rather than a typical Friday that it would be held where more media can attend to talk about the intense level of scrutiny. What scrutiny? You're limiting who can scrutinize you.
0: Exactly. You're you're controlling that environment. And even with him controlling the environment, there was still a reporter that pressed him mm-hmm. on certain issues that got Trotter pretty much eliminated from these NFL media days and I appreciate that, but So go back to your original question, our our statement. Look, referees are under a lot of scrutiny. Why? Because we got 500 cameras at these games. You got the pylon uh, camera. You even got the first down marker camera. But here's here's my question. Why aren't we using all of our technology? We are still relying on human beings to remember where a person fell down, first make contact with the ground, then run to the middle of the field and spot the ball. How many times have I seen these referees, these side judges, bobbing and weaving as they get to the football? And I go, oh, it looks like a good spot and then he moves six inches to the left. I go, that's a horrible spot. Why are we still relying on these guys? Why is there still a chain gain out there? Why are we still relying on a chain to figure out exactly what 10-yard is? And I mean, there's so many ways around this whole thing. So with... Goodell's sticking up for these referees. He's supposed to do that. He's a commissioner of the league. But you're also not putting them in advantageous situations. You're sitting there and saying, let human error take over the game in ways that we can eliminate that completely and make the game as efficient as possible. Get a white hat in the box. All right, so when the white hat on the field gets the call wrong, buzz him on the hip. Get in this ear. Make things right. It's that easy. You got the money to do it.
1: Goodell was also asked about streaming options, including from someone speaking on behalf of fans who are upset about the number of streaming options. He answered that. We'll talk about it in NFL headlines coming up in 15. What's next?
0: Headline. Rewrites. Headline number two, a day after complaining about their practice field conditions at UNLV, the 49ers said. We'll just deal with it for the rest of the week. What's <laughs> the real headline? I
1: don't know. I kind of feel like bad field conditions or something. A team that plays at Levi's stadium should be used to by now.
0: Oh yeah. And location. That Levi's stadium location is, is whack. But uh, I do appreciate Kyle Shanahan not making a big deal of this. You guys got to remember this is Super Bowl weekend. There are not any drills that are full go. It's all technique and scheme. They might turn it up a little bit for 10 plays during a 7-on-7 or a team session, but it's a very controlled environment. If Kyle Shanahan is going out there and saying, you know what, let's just go get it done, then do that. But I do appreciate that approach because, look, if a head coach starts complaining about field conditions, it starts at the top, it's going to filter in or linger into the, the players' minds, and they're going to complain. You're not going to get the best week of practice. So eliminate that distraction. Get on the football field. Go through your walkthroughs and get her done. No one's flying around full speed out there. You can protect each other. Headline rewrite. Headline number three, the NFL announced the Eagles will start their season with a game in Sao Paulo, Brazil next season. What's the real headline?
1: Nothing like an international flight with people who hate each other. The Eagles had such a weird end to the season. It is wild that this is now when the Eagles were what nine and one, ten and one, I think we looked at this team and I remember having a conversation about clutch factor because there was a period of four games where their opponents outscored them or excuse me, outgained them by a minimum of a hundred yards, and they still found a way to win. And we were like, man, like maybe there's something something to be said for an Eagles team that is statistically regressed but is finding a way to win. Then that statistical regression caught up with them. And man, did they crash and burn to end the year.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch that happen. They were grinding out games. I believe they were 10-1 one at, at one point, And you're thinking, all right, it's not perfect, but they're getting the W. That's all that, that matters. But sooner or later, man, those issues in week one, two, and three, if they're still showing up week 13, 14, 15, you got some problems. My only gripe with this situation is that um, the Hawks had a chance to be that team. Went to Germany. Uh, not this past season, the season before that. Great experience. I was hoping that the Seahawks will be going to Brazil. It's on my bucket list. So selfishly, I say, man, forget you, Eagles. Yeah. Because I want to go to Brazil. Stupid Eagles. Come on, man. Uh, Hawks travel better anyway. Twelves travel.
1: They do. Uh, Two sidebar questions. Number one, what do you guys think it would cost to trade for Justin Fields?
0: You got to give him a first rounder, I believe.
1: Right? Like, I know that other teams are yeah, looking at, at the Bears. least a second, yeah. yeah. I know other teams you are looking at the that. Bears going, no, well, what yeah. are you going to do? You know, I think you're it not going to have him as your only starter. only take one first rounder to yeah. get him. Yeah. yeah. I had someone text in saying, what about trading for Justin Fields? I said, what are you going to trade? They said, fourth rounder. Not and at first I was that. like, are no. you kidding me? No. And I was like, not enough. LOL. And then I was thinking, well, I don't know that they could get a first for him. He's a starting caliber quarterback. Yeah, he is a starting so. caliber quarterback, a former number 10. Overall pick, yeah. uh, but the problem is everyone. It's about leverage, and everyone knows that if you draft your quarterback, you're not going to keep Justin Fields. It's like uh, uh, Trey Lance. Like you're not going to keep him. It doesn't matter if you took him at number three. You don't mm-hmm. believe in this guy. Yeah. So it does change that leverage.
0: It does. To answer
1: this text story, I don't think it's a fourth, but I also don't think it's a first.
0: No, I don't think it. It, it could be a late first, somewhere in the second. But um, yeah, uh, the Bears are in a in a a tricky situation because you were trying well we thought that Cliff was going to head over that way now he said it to the commanders like there's so many read between the lines Mm -hmm. type of situation like do you look at Cliff going to the commanders and saying "All right, the Bears and the commanders are already working out a deal to to make this thing happen because um, you would want Caleb to walk into a situation where he feels the most comfortable he has the leverage he doesn't have an agent he can go back to school and say I'll make a couple million at USC and and wait next year and hopefully there's a, a different team different organization with that number one spot so you're, we're trying to read between the lines and predict what's going down, but there's so many ways that this can go. But I agree with you. I think that uh, Fields maybe a late first, second round. The Hawks don't have a second rounder, so I think that's off the table.
1: Uh, my next question for you guys: uh, Have you ever had uh, a run-in with a wild animal? Yes. What was the wild animal?
0: A raccoon. And a possum and a coyote.
1: Okay, all of those count. Wow, all those are very vicious wild animals. <laughs> Curtis, have you ever had a run-in with a wild animal? Uh, and I don't mean like, oh, a, a squirrel, it was getting kind of aggressive.
0: No. I, I got I'm chased by a goose indoorsy. once,
1: um, and I would well. just like to say that geese are significantly more violent and aggressive than they people are. think. They're dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous animals. They should be classified in whatever tier has sharks and stuff like that because they- they can kill. I think they have the capability to kill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. A player at this year's Super Bowl had an encounter with a wild animal. We'll tell you about it next.
0: Bumpin' Stacy powered through the Alaska Airlines studios on Seattle Sports Station here are your hosts Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross I asked you guys
1: whether you had ever had an encounter with a wild animal uh, bump you have you said life of a golfer you've run into raccoons possums
0: possum,
1: coyotes well,
0: the yotes
1: alligators
0: uh Not no, yet. big iguana in uh, in Florida
1: that's terrifying yeah um A few listeners texted theirs in. Someone said, animal encounter of mine. I was being a dumb kid and was throwing pine cones at some squirrels. The squirrels went up in their tree and started bombing our campsite with pine cones from above. They called in the AC-130 on me, and I deserved it. (laughs) Someone else said, um, a cougar with two cubs while scouting for an elk hunt, but I had that thing on me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Keep that thing on you.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, there's a rumor swirling ahead of the Super Bowl, and uh, it doesn't sound like it's true, but guys, here's the thing. You know I love a rumor, and you know that I'm going to believe it until it is proven otherwise. An unnamed player ahead of this year's Super Bowl was reportedly attacked by a coyote or had some kind of run-in with a coyote. Uh, This came from a a Vegas local Twitter account. However, however... The Henderson Police Department, obviously uh, Vegas police, uh, released a statement um, yesterday evening saying they had no record, or report of any incident involving a coyote nor a professional athlete. Boring. Here's what I bet happened: that a- that that athlete had a run-in with a coyote and did not want to admit that he had a run-in with a coyote because that's embarrassing. Coyotes are tiny, and
0: what are you supposed to do? Report. Report What's that, that you're running with the coyote. Hey, 911. <laughs> you guys, let's a coyote. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, He relax, chased me. Relax. And coyotes, they're small. And typically, if you leave them alone, they're not going to mess with you. right? There's coyotes all across um, Echo Falls uh, Golf Club right. where I play at. And you, we just leave them alone. They leave us alone. It's I all s- good. I saw
1: a coyote in Green Lake walking down 50th, which is a That's main crazy. street in Green Lake. I was driving to the airport. Evolution. I was dropping friends off, so it was an ungodly hour. It was like 4 a.m. So maybe it was out and about going through garbage cans, you know, like a like a little raccoon type mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. But it was a coyote. Uh, they're smaller than I thought. Yeah. Uh, and that I've never seen it since. So is low key. Either way, I'm going to choose to believe this story. Um, and I hope that there is a player. I, this is the big story. Everyone's got their eyes on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. No, boring. What I want to come out at the Super Bowl, regardless of who wins and who loses, is the, uh, the player on this team admitting that it was him.
0: At, while he's holding the Lombardi trophy.
1: Yeah, just saying, you know what? It was true. It was me. It was me. It was you.
0: It was me. <laughs> Next
1: <laughs> up uh, in NFL headlines. Uh, good news for the Chiefs. Andy Reid said All-Pro guard Joe Tooney is, oh, sorry, this is bad news, is a long shot to play on Sunday. Good news for the 49ers.
0: Yeah. I mean, you want all your dogs out there when it's time to go. But, yeah. Um, Something tells me the Chiefs will, are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's any team that can uh, overcome some adversity, like they changed their identity this year. They are a different football team, still finding ways to win. This is when you lean on your office of line coach. I'm going to look this guy up, see what he's all about. Yeah. See how you uh, get these guys to perform.
1: All right. Well, despite being let go by the commanders yesterday, ESPN's Adam Schefter says he expects Eric Bieniemy will be coaching somewhere in the league this season.
0: I believe Eric Enemy will uh, have a home in the NFL this season. The thing that, that's interesting there is uh, there have been people that have thrown out there right or wrong. Expectative, I got it. If the Chiefs were to win on Sunday, could, would Andy Reid walk from the sideline? And if he did, would then Eric Enemy be in play there? Like, could that be hanging out there? I think there are definitely other teams that has and will continue to look at Earth the Enemy. I'm confident that Earth Enemy is going to be working in 2024, and I think he's still sifting through the opportunities and figuring out where he wants to go.
1: I don't know that I see him taking over for Reed, should Reed walk after this Super Bowl, but I do have a hard time seeing a world where he's not part of a team.
0: He's going to be on a squad. Yeah. He's um, he's one of the guys that, though he hasn't been interviewed to be in head coach, he's still in a position to leverage um People are going to seek him out when it's all said and done. I'm hoping the Seahawks are taking a good look at him. And I think um, most offenses will take a good look at him. That would be uh, interesting if he were to take over for Andy Reid. But I, I think uh, the Chiefs would hire somebody who's in-house already. I forget who's the OC over there. Is it, uh, is it uh, totally blanking. Nagy over there? Uh, it might be Nagy. Anyway, but uh, no, I think that would hire in-house and, and keep things rolling. Um, BNW would be somewhere, though. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's uh, Matt Nagy. He's a, he's a coordinator over there.
1: Someone texted into the Mac and Jacks text line and said, Coyotes don't attack grown folks. Shake my head. A coyote sent that in. They're trying to throw <laughs> us off its scent. trying to be like, Don't worry about coyotes. Just let them keep coming into your neighborhood.
0: Yeah, I don't trust them. I don't trust They're sneaky.
1: Patrick Mahomes, know that there is a long distance to close between him and Tom Brady, despite everyone calling Mahomes uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So this is um, at Super Bowl opening night. uh, Mahomes, So this was yesterday, he's asked about the possibility of surpassing Tom Brady in Super Bowl wins and then asked about his legacy in comparison to Brady. He said, quote, I mean... (laughs) He said, "I mean, I'm not even close to halfway, so I haven't put a lot of thought into it. You've got to be the best player you can be, I know I'm blessed to be around a lot of great players. So right now, it's doing, <laughs> it's doing whatever I can to be. <laughs> can. That's good. It's doing whatever I can to be a great 49ers team and try to get that third ring."
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Ken. Can- can we get one athlete to come out and be like, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm about to go get him. I'm about to <laughs> yeah. go get him.
1: Imagine someone being like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know Tom what?
0: who? You got to do what um, I remember when um I held the re- receptions record at Wazoo, right, for career. And Gabe Marks was about to uh, break it eventually. We looked at the projection, the season. He's going to break it. So I met him and he goes, yeah, I'm coming for that record. And I go, that's the energy I like right there. So, you know, Pat Mahomes, go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah. Put that energy out there.
1: do you want to try the moms?
0: I I couldn't do it. You killed it. I can't touch that. It's
1: a really long quote. He said, (laughs) what else did he say? Uh, He said, my hope is to take a year in, and year out. (laughs) 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 I can't can't even do it. Oh, God. Uh, Okay, okay. Let me get another. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Let me get another headline here. I got to move on. Uh, Okay. Um... Let's uh, take a look at da da the uh, latest news from around the league. I'm just going to pull up some, like, little coordinator hires, but I'm trying to find one that you're actually uh, going to care about. Uh, one more injury update for the Kansas City Chiefs. I already mentioned Joe Tooney's a long shot, so they're going to be without at least one starting lineman. Um, so it sounds like Kadarius Toney could be okay. Um, and Jarek McKinnon, who's one of their running back options, not Okay. So talk to me a bit about a Kansas City Chiefs team that may be hampered offensively. I know in four down territory, we're going to get back to it. But in four down territory, you mentioned like, hey, how can this Chiefs team win without leaning on Patrick Mahomes? They might have to lean on Patrick Mahomes.
0: And that's (laughs) a a good person to lean on, honestly, if you're talking about leaning on on anybody. But um, McKinnon's been all right. I mean, he didn't do much this year. He uh, played in 12 games, 21 carries, 60 yards. It's not like he's a main contributor. Now, you lean on Pacheco, and then uh, Edwards Hilaire is Mm -hmm. their number two running back. But Pat Mahomes got more rushing yards than him. Mm -hmm. If you just have Pacheco and Edwards Hilaire ready to go, you should be good. How crazy is it that McKinnon is like an afterthought when he was one of the main contributors just a year or two ago?
1: What is another player who you're like how did it come to the? because for me it's become uh, Dalvin cook i wouldn't put in that category because he was never someone where i looked at him and was like this is one of the best but this would be the equivalent of like for me it would be like if derrick henry one day was like okay so they might have derrick henry ready to go and he's just like a backup and an afterthought and you're like i remember when this was the starter and this was the guy
0: right uh, eventually it all comes to that right it's at some point in, in someone's career um but I can't think of any, anybody off top, man. Maybe if it's like um, Aaron Jones becomes an afterthought for the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. right? A, a thousand yards this year. Um, something like that. But, yeah, it's um, the drop-off is quickly when it comes to NFL players and their production.
1: Last story here in a recent L.A. Times profile. Jim Nance shared his in-game keyword in-game eating habits while calling <laughs> games. Take a listen. He says, uh, I'm going against every rule in live television. I'm a popcorn fanatic. Crispy stadium popcorn. I know producers everywhere are like, oh, no. Uh, he said, I'm snacking on foods that uh, can actually get caught in your throat and put you in the blue tent for a couple calls. So in addition to popcorn, I. Um, his uh, favorite food, and this actually surpasses popcorn, is stone crab. <laughs>
0: stone crab. <laughs> he, he,
1: he says he likes to eat stone crab on air. Uh, he also likes a uh, hot dog at halftime, which actually I will let you guys know. I assume this is the case for most stadiums, but certainly with Lumenfield, they serve hot dogs to the media and coaches at halftime.
0: Yeah, which is yucky. Yeah. But uh crab? What's that breath like after that? Right? Can like,
1: you imagine turning over and Jim by. Nats has the napkin tucked So down. Jim! <laughs> here,
0: here's an even weirder thing about his hot dog consumption. He only eats those in season and then he, it, it says that he tosses the last bite. What? What? Just finish the hot dog, No, dude. but I
1: kind of get it because that's what I do when I tell myself like, oh, I'm going to be good today. I don't want to eat a lot of calories. So I just eat little pieces of something, but it'll be like I'll eat 12 pieces of one cookie. And then I'll throw away the last bite. And it's Your like man, I didn't even have guy. it. I get that. It's
0: mind over matter.
1: You, you know what I'm it's saying? It's all mental. Yeah, it's like I didn't yeah. have a cookie. I had a piece of a cookie 12 times.
0: Yeah, I feel you. <laughs>
1: it's, it's very different. Very different. Uh, all right. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a look uh, at uh, some more Seahawks news. We've had uh, a coaching hire confirmed for for Washington. So some coaching stuff coming up next. Don't go anywhere.
0: Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost.
1: Really interesting conversation uh, about Michael Penix stemming out of the Senior Bowl and just from the month since the uh, Sugar Bowl appearance. So after the Sugar Bowl, uh, when Michael Penix Jr. had, what, 430 passing yards, like one of the best performances we've ever, ever seen from a quarterback in a semifinal game, um, we were hearing stuff uh, like, oh, he could be. I mean, we're talking like a top five player. He might have played his way uh, into the top of the first round, right? I mean, uh, take a listen to, um, let's see, uh, Daniel Jeremiah. um, Well, hang on. I'm going to actually play that in a second. Uh, We had uh, who's the other name I'm thinking of, Curtis. Dan Orlovsky. Not Daniel Jeremiah. Dan Orlovsky was really high on him. Uh, really, really liked what he saw. This is what he had to say. Penix is going to be a first-round pick. There is no way that a human being throws the ball like that, which is the most important quality of a quarterback, and not going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely jumped up for me. Okay, so that was a month ago. That was after the Sugar Bowl. That was after that great performance we saw from Michael mm-hmm. Pennix Jr. Now, he's not even in the first round for some mock drafts.
0: How quickly things have changed. Right? What, happened? Now, what happened is he played against Michigan and didn't look his best. Didn't mm-hmm. have the dominant performance that um, we're used to seeing. But the same way I talk about Dan Quinn is the same way I'm going to talk about Michael Pennings. Are we going to ignore everything else that happened before that? Are we going to ignore the performances this young man put together? And I say the same thing about Dan Quinn. Horrible horrible
1: last horrible showing horrible
0: last showing <laughs> cannot okay? stress enough okay? we know this but prior to that he put a lot of games together he uh he found a baller in bland over there you operated most of the season without digs you still got micah Parsons to play at a high level there are some things that you did so now this is what happens during the offseason of a college football um situation is that we have all these ideas about these kids and some of these guys are going to reach the pinnacle like J.J. McCarthy and automatically elevate themselves because people are going to say, that kid's a winner. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get it done. And then there are guys like Michael Pennings that people are waiting to find a flaw. Look at his throwing motion. My man, he can't stay healthy. Two years healthy. Forget the throwing motion. Mm-hmm. He's dropping dimes. How are we going to separate him from everybody else? You're going to look at his final performance and say, that's not good enough to get it done. Yeah. Then what does he do? He has a great week of practice at the Senior Bowl and gets people to kind of buy into the hype a, a little bit. But at this point, it almost seems like he can do nothing else to either hurt or help his situation. Um, they're always going to be fan favorites or the darlings of the uh, the country when it comes to any position, especially quarterback. But quarterback is, is the one position to where um, all it takes is a few guys to start saying something about you, mm-hmm. then everyone just kind of buys into it. So I'm looking at Michael Penix and I go, look, bro, you got – Caleb in front of you, who's going to be the number one pick. We've known that for a couple of years. You got a historic year from Daniels over there in LSU. Even though I think Michael Penix is a better quarterback, Daniels might be the better better athlete. And then you talk about the kid from North Carolina, Notre Dame, J.J. McCarthy. It's like, look, after you you separate Caleb Williams and and Jaden Daniels, it's like, all right, how do you separate these other quarterbacks? It's all preference, and please believe that agents have a huge role in this whole thing. Who do the agents know? Do they know Dan Orlovsky? Do yeah. they know Jim Nagy? Do they know Daniel Jeremiah? Can they feed these guys feed these guys information to put out there about their client?
1: Yeah. Someone said, "Bro, chill. He's a lefty." You're right. It's not especially common. Uh, so was Tua tunga Viloha, though. Uh, so was Tim Tebow. I mean, there's examples of people putting a lot of stock in a quarterback that is a left-handed quarterback. Like I think Vic. that even exactly. I think even more than him being a lefty is. The injury history and maybe questioning this I haven't heard, but maybe questioning like, hey, when he faced the best defense in college football, he really struggled and he played in no matter what the Pac-12 managed to do this season. People, I think, on the outside still see it as the weakest conference. So it's like he still gets that thing of, well, he played really well against bad defenses. Mm-hmm. And it's it's silly because you look at it as a double standard for anything else. I mean, Trey Lance was taken third overall playing one season at North Dakota State. You're telling me he faced better defenses and better teams that Michael Penix did in really his two point. seasons as a starter with Washington where he mm-hmm. set a ton of school records? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? It's Of course it's a double standard. But I do wonder if that's playing a factor. Daniel Jeremiah had this to say. I think it's interesting.
0: I saw Penix as kind of a, a beauty in the eye of the beholder prospect, uh, which is to say, would I be shocked if he and won in one? No, um, I I felt more comfortable with just everything considered uh, with the with the injury history. That to me, it's like man, if he's your second pick, like you put one um, you put one right in the middle of the fairway with your first round pick, and then he's your second pick. I, I think you're feeling great about it. You know, I think you've got a good chance to hit on him, but you've already kind of got one in the bag.
1: Now that means that he's not a first round pick except your except for the teams with two first rounders but
0: Right. And and how many quarterbacks do we really expect to go in the first round too?
1: Caleb Williams, Drake May,
0: JJ uh, J. J. McCarthy,
1: Jaden Daniels. You expect JJ J.
0: to go first round. Yeah. I think I think he is the guy who could go first round? I think any of the top five quarterbacks can go first round. Yeah. But I look at it, if the quarterbacks with the most hype. I think that if he gets by the Forty Nine, excuse me, the Forty Nine, the Seahawks at yeah. uh, the number sixteen pick, um, then he's dropping. Then he's dropping.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I think I've just written it as like, oh, it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just Michigan, a ton of pre-draft buzz. Even though you're not necessarily, it's interesting. I mean, I remember us talking to Mike Golick Jr. ahead of this one, and he was like. When Michigan wants to win, they take it out of J.J.'s hands. When Washington yeah. wants to win, they put it in Michael's hands.
0: Yeah. And why? And and you also – and where you went to school matters too. For some reason, I was looking up uh, quarterbacks the other night. And North Carolina has slowly been putting out some quarterbacks, man. Um, and they're starting to get a reputation of being able to develop quarterbacks and put them out. Uh, that's why the kid over there gets the nine. You look at the University of Washington – um, lots of great talent defensively have, have come out of University of Washington the last decade, uh, but quarterbacks hasn't really been their thing. And you look at Michigan; it don't matter what position it is. You go to Michigan, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt, other or over these other positions. So not only is it your agent, mm-hmm. um, the last thing people saw from you, it's the school that you went to, it's the perceived competition that you went against, and the injury history. And you look at Michael Penix; he's got that history, but he's put together two years. So look, man, I, I think he is one of the best, if not the best, throwers. Or the football in the country. I think it's him and Caleb uh, when it comes to tossing a rock. But there are other things working against him that are out of his control. I agree. So he, we know he's going to play football. I doubt he's going to get drafted in the first round. But whoever picks him up, it, I think is going to they're going to be getting a pat on the back or a plaque or some type of, we're sending our best scouts to the Bahamas because you picked <sighs> up Michael Penix. All
1: right, well, uh, Michael Penix is not headlining hype train when we come up here, but another potential first-round quarterback is, don't go anywhere.